Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you have come from, we welcome you. And whomever you love, we welcome you. My name is Elaine Yaley Bowen. It is my privilege to serve as your worship leader for today's service. I'm joined by worship associate Kathy Kearns, worship participants Alyssa Lamb and Danny Beal, as well as our music director, Hal Walker. We are delighted to welcome you into this religious community. A chalice lit in our midst is a symbol of our liberal faith, a faith built on the foundations of freedom, reason, and welcome, a faith sustained by acts of kindness and justice, a faith that envisions a world flourishing with equality for all people, a faith that demands the living out of goodness, a faith that requires thoughtfulness, a faith of wholeness. This tiny flame is the symbol of the spark of all this within each of us. There is a place where Unitarian Universalists can come to, oh, sorry, there's a place where 3,000 or more Unitarian Universalists can come together for worship and workshops. They come together to hear words of inspiration and stories of social action. It is a place for singing songs of celebration and hope. There are some meetings to discuss the business of the Unitarian Universalist Association, and there is recognition of important transitions for UU ministers. People come together in community to feel love and inspiration. Where is this wonderful place? It may sound a bit like Summer Institute, a summer week-long UU camp attended by many of our members this past week, but I'm actually referring to General Assembly, which is the annual meeting for US Unitarian Universalists. Attending General Assembly is a time of celebration in community. Where else can you sing the hymn Fire of Commitment in a chorus of thousands? It is an opportunity to reaffirm one's commitment to UU values, such as respecting the inherent worth and dignity of all people, practicing justice and compassion, and using democratic processes to make decisions. It is a place to learn new ideas and practices that can equip lay leaders and help them to be more effective as they return to their home congregations. Plus, there is a really cool bookstore. This year's theme was answering the call. Calling can be defined as the place where one's gifts and talents meet the world's needs. General Assembly provides many opportunities for self-reflection on one's personal ministries and how one might be called. In today's service, you will hear from members of the congregation who will reflect on their experiences at General Assembly last month. Come, let us worship together. Please join me now in the spirit of prayer. Spirit of life. So many times these days, we feel perhaps we are being tested. What are we made of? Where is our strength? What more can go wrong? 
but then we reflect upon what is good, what is positive, and always knowing, always knowing that love prevails. It may not seem so at the moment, but we believe that love will prevail. There is hope. There is faith. May you always have love in your heart and more than enough to share. And may you never, ever lose hope. Amen and blessed be. All this joy, all this sorrow, all this promise, all this pain, such is life, such is being, such is booklet from this year's General Assembly in Kansas City, Missouri, where I definitely had never had occasion to be any other time in my life. The first UUA General Assembly was in May of 1962, and that was in Washington, D.C. Hmm, did I turn it off? The theme that year was the individual in mass culture, which I think is really interesting. That was 57 years ago, and the individual in mass culture strikes me as very relevant to our lives today, and that was 1962. Um, in 1984, 
um, um, GA was in Columbus, Ohio, and that theme was being human in an age of technology. In 1984, like, were we still storing data on cassette tapes? Like, I feel like the computer guy had a wire that ran across the high school hallway, or I don't know. Um, it really, it, you know, like, it surprises me, but doesn't surprise me how perennial sometimes these themes are. So GA's been in Columbus twice, in Cleveland twice, in Boston three times. It's also been in Toronto, Vancouver, and Calgary which I did not know. Now, Kathy spoke a little bit about how many people might show up to GA, right? That GA is three to 5,000 people. Last year in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is a little different from Kansas City, um, last year it was a really big GA because it was an election year for the president of the UUA. So there were really a lot of people. It was still very big this year, which led me to kind of give some thought to um, where are and what are the largest UU congregations in the United States? And I thought I knew the largest one, but I didn't. So the largest congregation in the United States is All Souls Unitarian. Now, a lot of them are called that. <laughs> Right, because there's an All Souls in DC, there's one in, um, in Spokane. All Souls Unitarian Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with 1,849 members. And it, how it describes them at the UU web, UUA website is certified members. I don't even know what that means. It, it wouldn't have surprised me if it said pledging members. Maybe that's what it means. I had thought it would be First Unitarian Society of Madison, Wisconsin, which is number two. And that has 1,431 members. I have had occasion to be there about every eight weeks, which is really nice. And um, it's a Frank Lloyd Wright building. And what I can tell you that I learned about Frank Lloyd Wright is that he was really short. So, so like everything is too short there and you almost like an average height person almost can't ascend the two small steps into the building without hitting their head. And then the restroom stalls are triangular. So they just did a big remodel and I'm not surprised by that at all. And so they have a big new sanctuary. It's not as big though as being at GA, right? So that's your one chance, I feel like, as a Unitarian Universalist to have the mega church experience, which when I think about it, I kind of um, maybe not everybody would enjoy the mega church experiences. We're kind of used to being pretty intimate group, but I adore it. These convention centers are enormous. They have these chairs that interlock on the edges so you can't move the chairs so like they don't end up in a mess. And there's you know um, an enormous choir and worship every day, sometimes twice a day, and then the youth are involved and um, different groups of people and two big jumbotrons, right, which are captioned, which I love, and you really get that experience of being with your people, right, with thousands of your people. Um, two years ago in Columbus, we had the pleasure of some, um, some people of color ministers joining us, including some Pentecostal ministers, and they really were terrific at reminding us that we really don't know how to get down at all, like not at all. 
you know, and we had this terrific closing ceremony at the termination of which everyone was just bawling. And when that, when that process started, we're all kind of going, oh, oh we're going we're gonna to sing that again? Oh, we're going to keep singing it? Oh, we're, really? We're going to keep singing? And then just waterworks. Like, everyone bawled. It was terrific. So they really brought the, the feeling, which was really... Fantastic, wonderful, and an indelible memory, for sure. So in trying to think about what else to include, because GA's five days long, I was on registration team, so I was actually there a week, and uh, there's so much going on, but I had to pick something. So here on page 23 of the GA program, which would put us at 3 to 5.30 on Thursday afternoon, was an interesting session called 25 Years Later, the Thomas Jefferson Ball. So for a little background information, um, we used to have in Virginia, like that area, the Thomas Jefferson District, right? Back when we called our regions of the United States districts and we were the Ohio Meadville District, there was an East Coast District called the Thomas Jefferson District. And Thomas Jefferson is, of course, from there. And it was a, 25 years ago, it was a significant anniversary of his birthday. And people were, um, oh, and there's like a significant church there that is the Thomas Jefferson Unitarian Universalist Church. So there's kind of a little bit of a focus on Thomas Jefferson. So this was 1993. And the GA committee used to be quite a bit different, I guess, from how it is now. I guess how it is now is they're in a right relationship with one another, but that wasn't always the case. And so the committee didn't work very closely. Sometimes one hand didn't know what the other hand was doing. And so in 1993, somebody on the committee got the idea to have the Thomas Jefferson Ball and this would be the annual dance at GA. Sometimes there are two during the week, sometimes just one. So the Saturday night dance, they thought, somebody thought, oh, well, let's have a Thomas Jefferson ball. And then on top of that, why don't we all come in period dress? So we need to give that a little moment's thought, right? Because somebody had to stand up and say, should I come in chains? Is that what I should wear to the Thomas Jefferson Ball for appropriate period dress for me, right? And we know Thomas Jefferson had many slaves and he had many children that were never able to identify as his children because of the nature of their parentage. And uh, it's just one more reminder of things that, you know, things that people overlook. What um, ended up happening um, on top of that, of course it gets worse, right? So um, on top of that, then when it was brought to the attention of the white people that created this debacle, um, they then turned to the people of color and said, why didn't you tell us? So in the ongoing conversation about decentering white supremacy, um, there's always terrific information um, at GA and always terrific, um, terrific workshops about it. So that is probably the number one reason that I'm called to GA every year is for that depth of learning. And so I, I'm very grateful, like continuously and deeply grateful 
for the depth of learning available. My stay at General Assembly was really brief. I went to the opening ceremony Wednesday and I was there for just a full day on Thursday, but despite the brevity, I still found it to be a very meaningful experience. So um, I really enjoyed feeling part of the larger UU community and I was able to explore a couple of sessions related to my interests in social justice and worship. So um, several, let me just give you a little background on the one workshop I went to. Several months ago, I read an article in Yes Magazine on the bailout movement. This is an effort by several organizations to provide funds so that people who are in jail awaiting trial and are in jail solely because they can't pay their bail, um, it's to raise money to uh, get them out of jail while they're, while they're waiting for their court date. Uh, the original intent of setting bail, you might know, is to make sure people will show up for their court date. That was the idea behind it. But in the U.S. now, we've created a debtor prison phenomenon where on every night there's 450,000 people stuck in jails simply because they can't make jail. Um, so, and this, by the way, includes a lot of people whose bail is set at $500 or less. So these aren't necessarily high-risk uh, people we're talking about. And so uh, when people are stuck in jail, as you can imagine, they experience a set of cascading events. So they may lose jobs or their housing, uh, they can't take care of their children, and so it can send people into a negative spiral. And many people are willing to plead guilty simply to get out of jail. It's worth noting that people in jail are not infrequently released, uh, because their case is dropped, but this may not happen until after they've experienced the, con the consequences of the jailing. So I have an interest in criminal justice reform and professional training and family relationships, so when I read this article, I felt drawn to this issue, and for me it also touches on several of the core UU values, respecting the inherent worth and dignity of all people, showing justice, equity, and compassion in relationships. So I read this article, and I clipped it thinking, well, I want to read more about this when I retire in May, and, 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 uh, and, and so now, uh, when I got ready to go to uh, GAA, I saw that uh, Blue, Black Lives Unitarian Universalist, was sponsoring a workshop at GAA called Anatomy of a Bailout. So Blue is pursuing this topic because people of color are disproportionately likely to not make bail. And their hope is to eventually end bail, at least for minor offenses, but they're also encouraging efforts to help bail people out in the meantime. So attending the workshop allowed me to learn some of the complexities of this situation. So for example, I learned that in Missouri, if defendants uh, make bail, they don't qualify for free legal services for their defense. So the logic is, well, if you can pay bail, you must have resources. So this leaves people, families, in the terrible situation of deciding you know, whether to bail out their loved ones uh, and pay the cost of the lawyer for the trial or leave them in jail so they can get access to the legal services. The panelists also gave advice to white allies, which included the importance of going in listening and ready to follow the lead of those already working in this area, bringing an open mind when meeting defendants, and doing court sitting to get a first-hand look at the criminal justice system. 
I came away feeling inspired, but also with a much better sense of how much I have to learn if I want to be an ally in this work. The other workshop I attended was Reimagining Sundays, and it focused on involving children in church worship, worship services. The concern the presenters wanted to address is that only 12% of children who are raised in Unitarian Universalist churches stay in the faith as adults, and that's much lower than other denominations. They also noted that historically, so you know, thinking back uh, you know, 80 years or so, that children's faith formation um, occurred outside of age-graded education classes. That's actually a relatively recent phenomenon. So the solution they were advocating in the workshop was to include children in Sunday morning services, but for more than the 15 minutes as we're doing uh, over the summer, and as we have been doing all year, as a way to enhance children's connections to the church and to their faith. So uh, the workshop was people giving examples of uh, some of the age activities they had done during Sunday morning worship that allowed children and adults to be engaged together. So one example was um, they had a week where everybody left the sanctuary for a few minutes to walk around the church and came back to share what they noticed was beautiful. Another week there were options during what would normally be the sermon time where they could work on different social justice projects that had been set up around the church. And so people could choose what they wanted to do. I've been reflecting on what this approach might mean for our church. Um, you may know that during Reverend Melissa's ministry, we started having fully intergenerational services. So the children in the worship for the entire hour um, once a month, and after attending the workshop, I kind of better understood what the philosophy was behind that and why we had done that. Uh, and then what we had done before was that regular RE classes met the other weeks because that still allows children time to connect to their peers. The worship associate team uh, met earlier this month with our new minister, the Reverend Stephen, and in the coming year, we're going to return to fully intergenerational services once a month. Reverend Stephen indicated he wants these services to really engage the children. And I'm not sure exactly what he envisions. It may mean we try some new things in worship, but I expect the services will be engaging and fun for both children and adults. And I hope the congregation will attend these services with an open mind and heart, kind of ready for whatever form they take. Um, it also got me thinking about other ways in our church that we foster intergenerational ties. Um, Hogwarts came to mind, Where's Walden, Coming of Age, and our uh, Our Hell Lives sexuality classes all provide time for adults and children to form connections. With the change in our religious education director, perhaps this is a good time to consider more ways for children and adults to be meaningfully, meaningfully involved. My own children were able to form close relationships with some adults in this congregation through their participation in Walden, OWL, and the Coming of Age program. And I'm wondering how we might create other programs that would help to maintain those connections while keeping with safe congregational practices. 
For example, what about reunion activities after a program like Coming of Age ends so that former youth and adults could connect again in some kind of a fun outing? I'm not sure if those activities would keep children in the faith, but it may nevertheless deepen their connection to the community in the moment. Kansas City, Missouri General Assembly was the fifth I've attended. Over the past 10 years, I've been to Charlotte, Louisville, Portland, Oregon, Columbus, and at all but my first served as a delegate to represent this congregation. A delegate carries with her the responsibility of voting on matters of Unitarian Universalist Association policy, programming, and to a degree, politics. For some, I suppose, the business meetings might be a bit too formal, too businesslike, too complex, and frankly, a bit boring. But for someone who cut her teeth on junior high school student council right up through student senate in college, it's right up my alley with parliamentary procedure galore, long live Robert's Rules of Order. It is a living into, or the embodiment of our fifth principle. And as you might be scrambling through your memory and saying, which one is that, which one is that? It's the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process. It is that, and it is more, the mix of association business along with the huge array of workshops as Alyssa and um, Kathy alluded to mingling with anywhere from three to 4,000 UUs in four to five days of immersion with worship services, wonderful music, and the national work of our faith. It can be a bit overwhelming for first timers, but pretty much by your second GA, you're a veteran at navigating conference halls, planning your schedule, workshop hopping, and trying to pace yourself to avoid exhaustion. I am not always successful at that. I'd like to recommend you consider attending GA at least once. And in the coming years, it will be in Spokane, Washington next year, Providence, Rhode Island, Milwaukee, and in five years from now, it will be next door in Pittsburgh. And I'm sure a lot of us have plenty of UU friends in Pittsburgh. That said, that's the end of my infomercial for GA. I can offer more information as I prepare an article for the newsletter, share information that I learned from all the different workshops I attended, and I'll share that with various groups and leaders to whom it's pertinent. The heart of the matter today comes from the theme of this year's assembly. All are called. Each word carefully chosen to convey a deeper meaning than what first may appear on the surface. All. I think we can probably agree that means everyone. No exception. Each person with inherent worth and dignity. That said, you use are not perfect human beings. 
None of us are. It may be our aspiration to be the very, very best we can be. Indeed, David Rico says, our universal calling is to be the most loving people we can be. But sometimes we fall short. And sometimes we fall short on a big stage. And that happened within the last year to year and a half at the highest levels of the Unitarian Universalist Association. There were some hiring practices that were questionable. There were resignations. There were changes in the upper echelons of leadership. There's a different way of doing business. Even though we aspire to be as inclusive as possible, we are still human beings, and sometimes we fall short of the mark. All means everyone. It means persons of color. It means persons who identify with their Christian roots, the very roots of Unitarian Universalism. It includes people with different abilities. It includes people with mental health issues. It includes all. That word was chosen specifically to help us move forward, to help the UUA heal, and to remind all of us that there are persons amongst us who are worthy, who may have beliefs different than yours, but they are no less worthy of calling themselves UUs. So the jokes about Christians and Catholics and Republicans and anyone else who doesn't believe as you do have no place here. R. You may remember a few years ago um, during the Clinton administration there was a, a comment made by then president about what was the definition of the word is. I'm not going there. But R means now. Right now. All are in this present moment. Our president, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, had the most amazing statement or made the most amazing statement in the Sunday morning closing service. And I want you to take this with you if nothing else today. This is no time for a casual faith. This is no time for a casual faith. What she is asking us to do, what is being expected of us, is to not just be Sunday morning one hour you use. We have busy lives. All of us have very busy lives. But this is no time for a casual faith, which goes right into the word called. Now, when you start researching called or calling, 
there are many religious connotations. Someone is called to the ministry. Um, Someone feels a calling from God or perhaps some other divinity in which one believes. A calling, according to Mike Iaconelli, is a place where your gifts, abilities, desires, and feelings of worth meet. When you fulfill your calling, you feel at home, at peace. You feel as though you're where you are meant to be. Do you feel at home here? Do you feel at peace? Do you feel you are where you are meant to be? Then you are called. All are called. My definition coming away from GA this year for being called means an individual and a collective responsibility to act for justice. That's going to mean something a little bit different for each of us. That may mean plumbing your soul to find out what issue or issues are speaking to your Unitarian Universalist self. It may mean working for racial justice. It may mean working on income inequality, hunger, food insecurity, homelessness. It may be environmental causes. This past week, Summer Institute was a huge call for environmental justice around climate change. There are all kinds of societal injustices. So I ask you, as all are called, where do you feel called? Akinok Brost exhorts us in this quotation that we don't ignore the voice inside, don't silence the yearning of your heart, don't ignore the callings of your soul. Please don't ignore the calling of Unitarian Universalism in our individual and collective responsibility to act for justice, for we are all called. I just returned from a week at Summer Institute where we were talking and thinking about uh, environmental justice, and I learned this song by Keb Moe called Victims of Comfort. No rocket's gonna fly that high There's no escaping the enemies, you and I We poison up our water We're choking on the air 
Let's stop before it gets too late Or is it already too late? Is it already too late For the victims of comfort? Got no one else to blame Just the victims of comfort Kind of souls of pain It's a technological merry-go-round Dangerous solutions buried under the ground Everyone likes to party, but no one likes to clean Well, I'd like to see a little change somehow But I'm a little too busy right now I'm just a little busy right now I'm a victim of comfort I got no one else to blame I'm just a victim of comfort It's a crying shame Oh, what have we got to lose everything Yeah, what do we stand to gain Just everything So let's try together Before we have to cry together It's too soon to die together I'm just a victim of comfort I got no one else to blame I'm just a victim of comfort Kind of soul of pain I'm just a victim of comfort I got no one else to blame We are the victims of comfort To cry in shame May you say yes to your calling, whatever you hear it to be. Our closing words. We have a calling in this world. We are called to honor diversity, to respect differences with dignity, and to challenge those who would forbid it. We are a people of a wide path. Let us be wide in affection and action and go our way in peace. May it be so, amen.